2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are going through a study of 2 Corinthians. The mine is a verse-by-verse Bible study through a book of the Bible. And I've always found and felt that the best way to study the Bible, the best way to learn the Bible is book by book. That even though the Bible is one book, it's a collection of 66 books. And that the Bible itself may seem overwhelming, but when you and I can just take a book at a time and get into it a little bit and understand a little bit about each book, pretty soon, within a couple years, we have a pretty good understanding of each book of the Bible as we just dig in a little bit to it. And that's what the mind is all about. You hang in there with me for a couple years, and we're at least going to go through almost all the books in the New Testament, and even sprinkle in a few books of the Old Testament as well. Before we get started tonight, I'm going to ask you this question. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Has there ever been a time in your life where you wish you could push a restart button on your life? Has there ever been a time in your life where you wish you could push the restart button of your life? Well, I'm here to say tonight that that actually can happen. And God is the one that can make it happen. Because tonight, out of everything we're going to talk about, where we're going to end tonight, and I want to begin there as well, is we're going to talk about the God of comebacks. The God who can bring us back. Whether we've fallen or whether we've been knocked down or whatever, that God is in the business of comebacks. Of giving us comebacks in our life. Of allowing us to at any time in our life push the restart button of our life. And in a sense to have a new and fresh start on life. That's why beginning in chapter 4, we really are going to remind ourselves of something we talked about the very first week of our study. As we introduced the book of 2 Corinthians and the main theme of 2 Corinthians. Because remember I said that sort of a, a second title for 2 Corinthians could be Second Wind where God wants to re-energize us and give us, in a sense, new energy to continue on doing what, what we know God's called us to do. And every once in a while in life, we, like a runner, need that second wind, that second infusion, if you will. And that's what the book of 2 Corinthians is all about. And that's why when you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy, we do not become discouraged. And the very first week of our study, we saw that the word discouraged really means in the original a lack of renewal or lacking renewal. And that the reason why you and I get discouraged, why we are prone to discouragement, is because we are not allowing or we're not placing ourselves in places where God can continually encourage us. And if we don't allow God to continually encourage us, we will drift into discouragement. And so one of the things that we are just going to sort of put over the whole message tonight is why we must allow God to continually renew us. And the very first reason is found in chapter 4 verse 1, so that we do not become discouraged. Now that doesn't mean that you know, we're never going to have a bad day and all of that. But, but God doesn't want His children to live in a spirit of discouragement over a long period of time. Yes, we're all going to have a bad day. We're all going to sometimes have a, a sort of a, a gloomy day where it just seems like there's sort of a cloud hanging over us. But God doesn't want that to be anything long term. 
God doesn't want us to be discouraged. And the way you and I will keep ourselves from being discouraged and leaning that way is to allow God's continual renewal in our lives. In fact, if you just glance over to verse 16 of chapter 4, you will see where Paul says that even though our outward man is perishing, that the inner man, the real us, can be renewed every day. And and so this renewal isn't something that just happens once a week for a Christian on a Sunday or twice a week on a Sunday and a Tuesday night. That, That God wants to make this renewal in my life something that happens every day. That God wants me to learn how to meet with Him and walk with Him and fellowship with Him and get into His Word and pray and all of this every day so that I have this continual daily renewal because the very first reason why I need that, I'm prone to discouragement as a human being. And God doesn't want us to live in the spirit of discouragement. Not only that, but God wants us, as he says in verse 1, to have a ministry of encouragement to others. Remember, another major theme that Paul is emphasizing in 2 Corinthians is that God wants to make himself known to others through us. And so, one of the ways he wants to do that is to continue to encourage us so that we can encourage others. Because God understands, and I'm sure we do too, there's a lot of discouragement out there in the world. There's even discouragement within the church. There's a lot of hopelessness and despair. And and God wants to encourage us so that we can encourage others. So the very first reason why we must allow God to continually renew us is so that we do not become discouraged and therefore then can have a ministry of encouragement to others. Reason number two, verse two. For we must do God's work God's way. You know what? I'm going to stop right here. I, I've got this outline, and, and I'm just going to tell you tonight, I'm going to make this outline available. So, so don't like try to, you know, I mean, if you want to try to take notes and all of that, that's fine. I'm going to make sure that this is available at the information booth next week. So if you just want to like sit back and just listen and soak it up, that would be great. Reason number two why we must allow God to continually renew us. We must do God's work God's way. Look at verse two. Paul says, we as the apostles of Christ have rejected shameful hidden deeds, not behaving with deceptiveness or distorting the word of God. But by open proclamation of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience before God. See, Paul's saying there's always that temptation for those who serve the Lord, the children of God, to go the expedient route over the right route. And God wants us to always be willing not only to do what he's calling us to do, but to do it his way. And many times his way is not the easy way. And that's why we need continual renewal. Because also we live in a culture that that is all about the quick fix, all about taking shortcuts. 
And so it's, it's very easy for us who are even involved in other people's lives and whatever, and maybe even have good intentions of trying to encourage them or whatever, to somehow take shortcuts ourselves. Or, or to give them some kind of quick fix. And folks, there are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. There, there are no quick fixes to becoming like Christ. There, there just isn't. It, it is a process and, and it's something that we have to be fully engaged in. And that's why Paul is saying, even though all of us as Christians and those of us who want to be used in other people's lives to encourage them may have this temptation to go back to methodology that would not honor and glorify God just to meet a certain end, Paul says, we need to reject that. We, we can't distort the Word of God at all. We've just got to let the Word of God speak to itself. We've got to rise above methodology that is not honoring to God and do it God's way if it's what God's asking us to do. And folks, that takes continual renewal in our lives. Because again, all of us are being pulled by the culture we live in and even by our own flesh to want the quick fix and the shortcut to everything. And becoming like Christ will never happen that way. We've got to be willing to dive in and like the runner, be in it for the long haul. Now here's the cool thing, and I've shared this many times before. To encourage all of us, speaking of being a runner and comparing it to our spiritual walk with God. It's not as important how we started the race as it is how we end the race. There's lots of people that can get started in the race really well and get out to a quick lead. But the Christian life and our life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And we've got to sustain it over the long haul, which is one of the reasons why we've got to allow God's continual renewal in our lives day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Speaking of runners, you want to talk about a great comeback. This ranks up there as one of the greatest comebacks ever in sports, period. Many of you weren't even alive back then, but in 1972 in the Olympic, Summer Olympic Games, there was a man from Finland Finland named Lassi Viren. Lassi Viren was running the 1500 meters. Not only did Lassi Viren fall down during the 1500 meters, but Lassi Viren got back up, won the race, gets better. And set a world record. Talk about a comeback. In the Olympics. I mean he wasn't running against like nobodies. He was running against the best runners in the world. And there would have been many people that once they fell. Especially in the Olympics would have just stayed down. It's done. It's over. I don't have time to come back. Lassie Vera not only got back up. And won the race. But set a world record in the process. Because it's not as important how we started as it is how we finish. And God wants to continually renew us so that we will not become discouraged in the race of life. And so that we can do God's work God's way, especially when our culture craves shortcuts and quick fixes. Reason number three, we have to allow God to continually renew us. Verses three and four. 
For we are engaged in a spiritual battle for the hearts and minds of people. Notice Paul says in verse 3, Even if our gospel is veiled or hidden or being hindered, it is veiled only to those who are perishing, among whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so that they would not see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God. The word blinded there in verse 4 simply means cluttered. And this is one of the primary strategies of Satan, the God of this world. He tries to clutter people's minds. He is the master distractor. And so one of the reasons why we have to continually allow God to renew us is because God wants to use us and our lives to make himself known to others. And if we're living with a cluttered mind and we're not clearly thinking and we're not allowing God to renew us so that that we know where we came from and who we are and where we're going, then it's going to be very difficult for us to reach out into other people who have a mind that is cluttered and for them to see the difference and the distinction that God is making in our lives. And then beyond that, even as children of God, we can also be susceptible to having our mind cluttered, clouded. That's exactly what Satan does. You see, Satan won't even come to a Christian that he's trying to pull away from from full devotion and consecration to Christ, and he'll usually never come to a Christian and go, oh, just forsake Jesus. He's not worth any of your time. But what he will do is he'll begin to throw all these things out there and hope that we just start grabbing some of them. Because Satan understands that for every moment, for every piece of energy, for every amount of focus that I start chasing after something else in my life, I've left the focus of my life off of Jesus Christ for that moment. And that's all Satan cares about, is distracting me. That's why we don't have time to turn there. But in the book of Colossians, Paul basically says, Satan is the master at throwing red herrings out there, trying to get people to chase him. And red herrings goes back to when they were training dogs to stay on a scent. The, the sort of the final exam for the dog to be this dog that could stay on a scent was they would pass this really strong fish, this red herring in front. And if the dog didn't go after the red herring, if the dog stayed on scent, then the dog passed the, the final exam and the dog was ready to, to be a sniffer. It's what happens to us as Christians. Satan's out there throwing red herrings up at Jeff all the time. Just hoping Jeff will go, oh, oh, wait a minute. I like, oh, and then here's Jesus. And instead of my focus being on him, instead of me keeping my eyes fixed on him, I'm out there chasing this red. And the red herring, Satan, he, it might even be something good. It, it might not even be something sinful, but it's still taking my focus off of Jesus Christ. And so we need God's continual renewal in our lives so that we can keep our minds clearly focused and and we can keep a clear head in the midst of a world where there's so much distraction because we are in a spiritual battle for the hearts and minds of people everywhere in this world. Reason number four, we must allow God to continually renew us. Verse five 
because, based on what we just said in verse 3 and 4, our lives and our message must remain centered in Christ. And if we don't allow God's continual renewal, we are much more susceptible to going off down a path where our lives and hearts and minds aren't centered on Christ. Notice what Paul says in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 4. For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. See, even in trying to get through all the clutter that those who are being blinded by the God of this world have in their mind, we all know that a lot of times it's just trying to keep coming back to Jesus because they'll want to talk about religion that they'll want to argue about things like creation evolution that they'll want to bring up stuff like where did Cain get his wife and did Adam have a belly button and can God make a rock that's too big that he can't pick up and all this stuff because they're trying to and, and, and they're they're being distracted by all this stuff and the only one and the only thing that can save them is the blood of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So, so you and I need that continual renewal so that we can keep our lives centered on Christ. And then in this world we live in where everyone is so distracted and where especially those who are, their minds are cluttered by all this distraction, we need to keep bringing them back to Jesus. That's, that's what the conversation needs to be about. It needs to be about Jesus. I don't want to talk to anybody about religion and all of that. I want to talk to people about Jesus. For the Bible says there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. There is one mediator between God and men. He is the man, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who's the answer to this world. It is Jesus that we sang about who can fix a broken life. And therefore, it is Jesus that we must remain centered in, even in our own lives, and get the conversation back to Jesus. But to do that, we must allow for God's continual renewal. Reason number five, we must allow God continually renew us. Verse six, for our own understanding of Christ must keep growing. For Paul says, God said, and that's continual. Let light shine out of darkness. And God not only said that once, but God in saying that is saying, I want light to continually shine out of darkness. Replacing falsehood and ignorance with truth and understanding. And notice Paul goes on to say that obviously there was a time in our life where this light did shine. And he shined, Paul says, in our hearts to give us the light of the glorious knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because once again, it's all about Jesus. It's all about centering it in Jesus. And if that happened once in my life, God wants that to be a continual process. Because God even wants us as Christians to grow in our understanding of Him, of His will, of his ways, of the way he works, and all of that. God wants all of us to have a deeper, clearer, more accurate view of him. And the only way you and I are going to get a deeper, clearer, more accurate view of him is to allow that continual renewal so that day after day I get to live in more light. That that hopefully even today, you and I have a little bit more light to live in than we did yesterday. 
Because God is continually calling us to let light shine out of darkness in our own hearts. Because he wants to encourage us. Reason number six, why we must allow God to continually renew us. Verse seven, so that our exposure to the reality of life would only magnify God and his power. Notice Paul says we have this treasure. By the way, that word in the Greek language is the word thesaurus. The word thesaurus just means where valuable things are kept. We have this treasure, this thesaurus in clay jars. Literally, fragile bodies. Why did God put this wonderful treasure, this relationship with Him in my spirit? Why did He put it in such a fragile body? He explains why. So that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. He uses the example in Bible times of clay pots or clay jars. And like anything of clay, it can be easily chipped or cracked. And yet Paul is making a really important and and I think cool point here. You and I are going to go through life because we're clay jars and we're going to get chipped we're going to get cracked and instead of that being a bad thing god wants us to see it from his perspective that any chipping or cracking that takes place in this clay jar this fragile body is only to allow the light within to shine out to others so that people aren't looking at jeff saying oh Well, the reason why Jeff is living at this level is because of his power and his strength. No, the reason why God put such a great treasure in fragile bodies is so we would see it that it's his power that's doing it, not ours. In fact, I think this is also about us learning to become less self-reliant and more God-reliant. That's why at the end of verse 7 he says, So that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. By the way, the word in the Greek language there for us is the word ego. God doesn't want us to get prideful. To get a big ego. Because we did it. And that's why God placed such a great treasure in a clay jar. Because hopefully it doesn't take us too long to realize that these clay jars, yeah, they're pretty fragile. Not just physically, but emotionally and just all kinds of ways. We're fragile, more fragile than we want to admit most times. But hopefully it's through the fragility of the jar that we, our real us is living in, that we re- begin to realize how, de- how much we need God. And how dependent we need to be on God rather than on us. And if we just allow God to renew us, the things that used to bum us out because of living in this clay jar during this earthly life won't be discouraging to me, but will actually begin to see it from a whole different angle. 
That as I move through every season and stage of life, whatever happens to this clay jar is just a way for what's really inside, the real me, and and the God who is inside of me to shine out through this clay jar to others so that they can see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Next, verses 8 and 9. We must allow God to continually renew us for our faith and our faithfulness is not based on on experience. Wow. We live in an experiential world. It's all about experience. But faith is not based on experience. And our faithfulness to God and to what we supposedly believe isn't to be based on experience. It's to be based on in the character of God and in the Word of God. So that's why Paul's going to tell us here in just a moment that a lot of what I experienced in my life up to this point as a follower of Jesus Christ, if I were looking at life by my experience and if I was basing my faith and my faithfulness to my God on my experience, I would have dropped out of the race a long time ago. But because I allowed God to continually renew me, Even these experiences of life I saw from a completely different perspective. I also want to mention this before we get into verse 8 and 9. Very interesting to me as I studied this, that the wording that Paul used here in these verses were words that were very familiar in those days to people who would watch the gladiators fight. Every word that he uses here would have been words that people would have used as they recounted the gladiators fighting with one another. And so Paul says it this way, verse 8. We are experiencing trouble on every side. Literally, we are being pressed hard upon, individually and collectively. But Paul says, we're not crushed. He says, we are perplexed. We are without any answers ourselves. We even are filled with doubt. But we're not driven to despair. We are not yet at a point where we are renouncing all hope and the light of our life is totally extinguished, Paul says. We are persecuted, which means we are pursued to be driven away. But notice Paul says, we're not abandoned. We're not left behind. We're not left helpless. And finally he says, we are knocked down thrown to the ground, brought low, but not destroyed. Literally, not counted out. Not at the very end. Paul went through some horrific life experience. And and, and there would be some that would look at Paul's life and go, wow. If that's the kind of life it ends up being for followers of Jesus Christ, I don't want any parts of that. Because I thought that when I accepted Christ as my Savior, man, my life became easy and that, that I never had any struggles and that, that I was never going to have any trouble and everything was just going to go really smoothly for me. And, and as we're going to see in just a moment, here's what Paul and others would say to us. That in spite of all the experiences I had, My faith wasn't shaken, and my faithfulness to my God wasn't shaken. 
Because I will tell you that in spite of all these experiences that I had in my life, it was worth it all to follow Jesus Christ. And there was no experience that I ever had, even negative experiences, that I would have said, looking back on it from the perspective that God gave me through His light of His Word, that I would have said, I wish I would have never become a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, if you and I don't allow God to continually renew us, we're going to become experientially oriented as a Christian. And we're going to look to go from one mountaintop experience to another. And we're not going to be able to handle very well those valley experiences that every human being has because it's the reality of life. And the reason it's the reality of life, folks, is because God put this treasure in clay jars that are fragile. And life is just sometimes just going to stink. It is. And if we don't learn to base our faith and our faithfulness to God on something other than experience, then we're going to be hurting. And we will end up very discouraged and filled with hopelessness and despair. But our faith and faithfulness isn't to be based on experiences. And here's the next reason why. Verse 12. Or verse, I'm sorry, verses 10 and 11. For it is through these experiences that our faith is being made indestructible. And the invisible that people can't see is going to be made visible. Notice what Paul says in verse 10. We are always carrying about in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. For we who are alive are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our mortal body. See, every experience that we go through, from God's perspective, is a way to build my faith to a strength that is indestructible. So that no matter what I face, whatever obstacle, whatever situation, whatever trial that I face, whatever season of suffering I go through, my faith is only solidified through these things. And I realize that even though, as Paul says, I may be dying in some way, that that I may be losing, in a sense, self, I'm gaining so much more spiritually. And like Paul says even in verse 16, even if my outward man is perishing, the inward man is getting stronger every day. And God wants to make make our faith indestructible. He wants to make us strong men and women of God who can stand up to our world today and to the situations and life situations that we face in these fragile clay jars and be able to rise above it. And the only way we can do that, folks, is to allow God to continually renew us. Next, verse 12. We must allow God to continually renew us for our hardship may be a lifeline for someone else. Our hardship may be a lifeline for someone else. As as we remind each other of as Christians all the time, what I'm going through may not be about me. It may be about God using what I'm going through to reach a lifeline into the heart and mind of somebody else. Notice what Paul says in verse 12. As a result, death is at work in us, but life 
is at work in you. Wow, that's powerful. Paul is saying that we may be going through this suffering, but because of what we're going through, and because by God's power we are able to stay strong, and because our faith is not shaken, and our faithfulness to God is not diminished in any way, God is using what we're going through to encourage you. So now life is coming to you, and people are coming to know Christ through our suffering. And Christians are being strengthened and given courage and boldness through how we're facing what we're facing. And Paul says sometimes that's the way it is. But if we don't allow God to continually renew us, then when we're going through yuck, the last thing we think of is how is God maybe using the yuck that I'm going through to be a lifeline to somebody else? All we're thinking about is us. And God, get me out of this yuck. But what if God, in his word, says to us that when you and I go through yuck, it may be to give a lifeline to somebody else who's drowning. Would we then be more willing to go through what we're going through, knowing that somebody else may be saved, delivered, their life turned around because of what we're going through and how we're navigating it? And that's why we need that continual renewal because we can get our perspective twisted real quick without God's continual renewal. Verse 13, another reason why we need to allow God to continually renew us. For a faith that lasts is a faith that is tested and therefore worth sharing with others. A faith that lasts is a faith that is tested. And therefore worth sharing with others. Notice Paul says, since we have the same spirit of faith as that shown in what has been written, I believed, therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore we also speak. Paul says, I'm not ashamed to share with people about my faith. Because my faith isn't just something that I believe because somebody else believes it. My faith, my spiritual convictions, my confidence in my God is there because I've went through hell and back with my faith. And my faith is still standing. And therefore, there's no way I can hold this in. There's no way I can't share it with somebody else. Because it is truly the lifeline of my life. Terry and I, I don't know whether Terry's here tonight, but Terry was here at Meet the Staff last night. We were talking before Meet the Staff how it's hard enough Because we live in these clay jars, it's hard enough for us as Christians to navigate life at times. How do those that don't have Christ do it? How do they do it? Because they're not knowing that God can help them or that they can totally rely on God's power and God's resource. They're, They're just trying to buck up and suck it up and do it all themselves. But when we allow God to continually renew us, our faith will be tested. But when that faith is tested, it's going to come out even stronger than it was before that fiery furnace experience. And then we've lived through it. 
We, by our own experience, have seen the faithfulness of God and the promises of God hold up. And everything that God has said, the Bible says, not one word has fallen to the ground. I love that out of the book of Joshua. Joshua told the people of Israel, do you realize, he says to the nation of Israel, that not one of God's promises ever fell to the ground. God can be counted on. He is faithful. And when you and I live through the faithfulness of God, we've got a story to tell. We've got a testimony to share with others. And that's why Paul says, you and I will get to the point that once our faith is tried and tested, it's worth sharing with others. We we can't wait to tell others what God is doing, even through those difficult times of our life. Which leads me to verse 14. The next reason why we must allow God to continually renew us is because our God is the God of comebacks. He is the God who at any time in our life can help us to press the restart button of our life and give us a second chance. Because notice what Paul says. We do so because we know that the one who raised up Jesus, literally, brought back up Jesus, will also raise us up or bring us back with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Now, obviously here, he's talking specifically about the coming of the Lord and our resurrected bodies and all of that. By the way, hope you'll come back next week. We're going to talk about What happens to us when we die? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. A lot of people have questions about death. What happens to us when we die? We're going to talk about that next week. You know, if somebody that might be interested in that subject, invite them to come with you. But here's what Paul is saying in principle. He's saying, don't ever forget, as you allow God to continually renew you, that God is the God of comebacks. And the greatest comeback in the history of the world was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's remember something about that death. The Bible tells us, first of all, that when they arrested Jesus, not only did they mock him, but they beat him. They they plucked out his beard. The Bible says he went on through all of those beatings and, and whatnot to finally be scourged by the Roman soldiers. Scourging was something that was so horrific in those days that many people didn't even make it to the cross. That the scourging itself killed them. Scourging was done by a thing called a Roman flagrum. It it was basically a whip that had at least nine or, or ten pieces of leather attached to it. And to those pieces of leather were all kinds of pieces of bone and metal. And the Roman soldiers would take that Roman flagrum and they would whip it for all it's worth into the back of a prisoner. And those pieces of metal and glass and bone would literally go into the back and pull out chunks of people's back until their organs and and things were exposed by their back. And after Jesus went through all of those beatings and that scourging, they laid that open back on a rough, and splintered wooden cross. And they nailed him to that cross with those wooden crucif- or with those crucifixion spikes. And they placed him in his hands 
and in his feet. By the way, many people debate that. They, again, look for things and they'll say, well, the Bible says that, that they put the, the, the nails in his hands and, and we've discovered that, you know, hands can't support the weight of a human body. Well, the Greek word for hand meant anything from the tip of the middle finger to the elbow. So it wasn't a contradiction. They just needed to look a little bit deeper. And they would have found that the Bible was exactly right on. Because the Romans had done crucifixions so much, they became experts. They knew exactly where to drive the nails in to support the weight of the human body. And that crucifixion wasn't death by loss of blood. It was literally death by asphyxiation. That's why they they tell us that many times in order to hasten death and actually be merciful, they would break the legs of, of the prisoners so that they couldn't push themselves up anymore and get air into their diaphragm. Because literally that's what it was. It was you would hang there on the cross and you would slump down because you had no strength. And at some point you would try to get enough strength so that you wouldn't suffocate to somehow push yourself up and get a little bit of breath and then sink back down. And they would do this for hours upon hours. They finally put a spear into the side of Jesus and the Bible says blood and water flowed out. And they put him into the grave. And I'm sure that the Roman authorities and the Jewish authorities and maybe even the demonic authorities were all going, yeah, he's done. He'll never come back. And three days later, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Prince of life, conquered death and came back. And Paul is saying the same God who brought back Jesus Christ from that grave and not only resurrected Him, but then, Philippians tells us, highly exalted Him, gave Him a name above all names, and placed Him at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. The same God who brought Jesus back, can bring you and I back as well. With the same power. I'm just asking you to consider letting God renew you. Let God hit the restart button of your life. Let God renew you every day. And maybe you're here tonight And at this point in your life, you're in need of a comeback. You've been brought low. You've been knocked down. You've been thrown down. You have fallen down. And you needed to hear tonight that if God could bring Jesus back, the greatest comeback ever, that God can give you a comeback as well. He wants to. He desires to. It's one of the things He's great at is giving people a comeback and bringing them back from the brink. Everyone thought Jesus was counted out, left for dead, done. Don't have to deal with Jesus anymore. Guess what? Not true. And there are probably some of you, like I've been in my life, where there have been people in my life, hard to believe, but 
people in our lives that actually hope that we stay down. Hope that we never get back up. Might even pray that we never get back up. Folks, don't let them win. Let God have the last word in your life. Let God define your life. Let Him give you the ultimate comeback of your life. Let Him renew you every day so that we don't become discouraged. Let's close in prayer. Lord, only you can do this. I, there is nothing in me, this, this frail human being, that can do anything. But God, you can reach into the hearts and lives and minds of these folks here tonight. And you can meet them at a level that I'm totally incapable of meeting them at. And I so want to encourage these folks tonight but I know I can't do it. Only the Word of God and the Spirit of God can do that. So God, I'm, I'm just going to pray tonight that you would do what only you can do. That you would bring about a renewal in this room collectively and a renewal in individuals within this room tonight like never before. That, that there would be people who maybe have been knocked down for a few days and maybe, Lord, people who've been knocked down and thrown down in this room for years. And that God, through the story of Jesus and through the, the passage that we looked at tonight, God, that they have been encouraged through you and by you to get back up and allow you to bring them back better than ever to a life that could be better than they ever imagined. And that they're not defined by their past and they're not defined by others and not to allow others to have such a power over them, but to allow you alone and your power to invade their minds and hearts. Help us, Lord, to move from this place tonight, not with a cluttered mind, but with a clear mind. Help us to know, Lord, where we've come from, who we are and whose we are, and where you want us to go. And may we leave this place tonight with such encouragement and so filled with your spirit and with your strength and your power that we are able as an army of God to go out into our community and to encourage the discouraged, the despaired, the hopeless. And to bring them to a place where they can learn about the God who makes comebacks. The God who can bring us back from anything and everything. God, to you be the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, I love you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. See you next week.